If I made you feel psychopest Girl, I'm sorry I was blind But you were always on my mind You were always on so before my bike was stolen, my mountain bike was stolen. Thank you, San Francisco. Uh, who knew that not prosecuting theft and criminality would lead to more criminality, Kevin? It's, it it's a shock. It really is shocking the way this is all unfolded in some of the big cities. Who could have seen it coming? Yeah, no, no one can't anticipate that. No one can see the future, Kevin. But before my mountain bike was stolen, one of the things I liked to do was jump on my bike on a weekend and head out my front door. There's a great path that leads across the Golden Gate Bridge from where I live. I'd go out into Sausalito and up into Marin, up into the Highlands, and then all the way down to Tiburon, which means shark in Spanish. Mm. And I'd go to Tiburon and it'd be this great view back to the city. And then I'd take the bike path back. In all told, it's about 40 miles round trip, at least the, the way I did it. And it was a great workout. And I remember one time I was doing it and San Francisco's got a lot of wind. You're, you're right open on the Pacific Ocean, and certain times of the year, especially certain times of the day, you get crazy winds. And I've got 25-mile-per-hour winds, and I'm going up hills to get to the Golden Gate Bridge. And even the Golden Gate Bridge is basically sloped, right? Anything that long, it's almost it's a mile long. It actually has a slope. It's not perfectly flat for obvious reasons. And as I'm doing this, I'm just cursing, and everything sucks, and everything's hard, and everything just stinks. And then I get to Tiburon take in the view, drink a little water, have a snack, start heading back. You know what, Kevin? Hmm. The wind's at my back. Uh, I'm headed downhill. Yeah. Everything's easy. I'm not even touching my bike pedals and I'm going 15, 20 miles an hour and just cruising. And I basically, if it took me two hours to get out there, it must've taken me 45 minutes or an hour to get back. Right now, Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas football program, they got the tailwinds at their back. It's all downhill, all that fight and how bad it sucked and how hard it seemed during the football season, the actual football season, when we saw everything seemingly falling apart. That's all reversed. It's all changed. It has something to do with Texas, but it has a lot more to do with what's been happening around Texas. Have you ever seen more favorable tailwinds or better favorable geography for the University of Texas in an offseason than this offseason? No. I mean, circumstances just add to everything that usually, and we talked about it a little bit last week, I believe, that usually to get out of the ditch, there has to be some type of positive momentum and some type of, of pub or rep that you're getting on the field. And so we've seen, I've seen, well, hell, Bob Stoops first year, you know, they may have gone six and five, seven and six, whatever it was. We knew even after the dummy script in, in 99s and they're up 17-0, that this guy kind of has this thing working in the right direction. And so we've seen that before, but never with a six-game losing streak and all of the momentum seems to be stopped in any type of, of word or a pub you're getting is negative. You don't see it turn around that way, but you've got – I mean, as I said last week, can you imagine a dream 20 years ago when Texas is 5-6 and six or even go farther back than that, 1991, they're 5-6, and six, right? 
and I come to you and I go, Paul, we're big Texas fans. Here's how we get out of this. And I lay out in front of you what is going on right now. You'd say, you're high, Kevin. And also, what? none of this is possible. And so with the transfer portal and NIL, this is falling into the lap of Texas, who has resources to actually build on it. This is going to be a crazy recruiting cycle and recruiting class, considering there's no positive momentum. It's just all been tailwinds and downhill. Yeah. It has nothing to do with what we're doing on the bike. <laughs> no, just, we well, fucked up on the fairness, bike. NIL, that was a big, that was like putting some, uh, some freaking uh, PEDs in our in our in our performance, right? We're riding but, with Lance. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, everyone else, yeah, they're on drugs too. But Lance is doing it better, and that's what <laughs> Texas is doing right now. Uh, but it all went downhill. You got big winds at your back, and we're just cruising. So let's do a quick recap of what's happened in the geography of college football that's brought us to this place. OU which has dominated the Big 12 and unfortunately dominated Texas over the last decade plus. They lose their promising young head coach to USC. They're completely blindsided by it. Uh, and they go and hire Brent Venables. Well, we'll see what happens with Venables. But I think a lot of us are kind of wondering if that's the optimal hire or if it's just the best option they thought they had. Then you have LSU open up, right? Now that's caused some disruption to our East. And so suddenly some play, some guys that we thought were guaranteed to go to LSU or be that kind of guy are now up in the air. Obviously they hired Brian Kelly. That's great, but he's still trying to get, get things together and rally his class. You've had the uncertainty. <laughs> yeah. at Hold on game. quickly. Did you see the note? I know you're not on Twitter. You, you will be a voyeur at times, but did you see yes. the Brian Kelly recruiting video with him dancing? With I the did. It was very impressive. <laughs> No one says laissez-les, bon temps roulé, or captures the culture of Southern Louisiana quite like Brian Kelly. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, look, he may work out there, but so far it's very early on, but this has not probably worked out the way he envisioned. Well, we're going to see. I yeah, mean, we'll, we'll see, see, exactly. I think this is going to be a crazy signing day, and uh, Kevin and I are going to try to recap it either Thursday or Friday, so you guys stay tuned for that. But in addition to OU, you have all these other dominoes falling. You have Duke come in. The Duke Blue Devils come in and hire Mike Elko, the very competent defensive coordinator at that Texas A&M. surprising he took that, man. Unbelievable. You have Ohio State get their ass kicked by Michigan. And, and Quinn Ewers realizes C.J. Stroud is going to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State. Surprise, surprise. And he comes back. And, of course, we're going to cover that. We'll talk about that more in depth in a second. All these things just keep happening, and it's a great opportunity for Steve Sarkeesian. What looked like a potentially disappointing, in some ways, recruiting class could prove to be one of the nation's best when this is all finished and, and happened on you know December 7th. When, I mean, I'm sorry, what, what is it, December 15th? December 15th, yeah, two days. Yeah, December 15th, Wednesday. We're going to be... We're going to be debriefing this, and it's going to be whatever happens, it's going to be wild. Um, I don't know. Is there is there anything else we're, we're not covering and talking about these tailwinds and, and the favorable geography that Steve Sarkeesian and Texas are experiencing? No, I mean, I think we hit it, but but the, the tailwinds really hit you exactly where you needed it. So I've got no, you know, 
my right hamstring is gone, and yet the tailwind seems to be pushing on the right side of your bike more than anything. Like the bicycle yeah, gods crazy. are here for you. And that that is more the – what I'm talking about there is more the offensive line, the need there, the recognition that this is probably – a lot of this stuff has started from that just being such a shit show. We saw that with Sark at times this year with the offense. And we'll see what Devin Campbell does. We'll see what I think it uh, was it uh, a Gabo. Yes, exactly. To go with obviously Kelvin Banks, we talked about the last couple weeks. I mean, I the you know right away when we were hearing Crystal Ball, what did I tell you on this podcast? Yeah, you said it's it's all going to be in play. It's going to be in play, and Banks is going to be in play, and Cam Williams from Duncanville, who we'll see kind of where his weight is and what he can do, but. He's a, you know, Oregon wanted him. It's probably a kid that you want, but the offensive line is such a need that right hamstring is gone. And yet the recruiting gods are pushing that right side. And I understand a lot of that has to do with NIL, but I did kind of laugh that both those kids were going to sign with Oregon and then said, no, we're going to stay at home. A 150 K per, per year can really persuade you to stay at home. No doubt about that. And it can get some guys like Malik Agbo, who's from the the state of Washington, to consider Texas. Uh, and he's going to be announcing on December 15th. A lot of people think it's going to be Texas. A lot of people, I'm not promising anything, but they think Devin Campbell is all but in the house yep. for Texas as well. So let's recap. Let's talk about the three recruits that Texas did add. And we probably buried the lead, probably only second in importance to OU losing Lincoln Riley. Navy. Was Mario Cristobal going to Miami. Oh, I think you say Navy winning. I'm sorry about that, by the way. Tell your dad I I I, I did watch that game, and I always watch the end, and um, but I watched it just for you, and even with the fake punt, which they didn't call, like there is a lot. There's a lot to like about that game. Well, you've never seen the use of slot backs so enthusiastically oh by God. both teams. It's a, it's a different kind of offense. I'll tell you what, I I'm I'm glad Texas. The Texas defense didn't play either one of those offenses because just out of pure confusion, I think they would have rushed for 250 yards or 300 yards on Texas. Just at a gap assignment alone. Yeah. Fortunately, uh, the Texas offense would have scored quite a bit and, and, mm -hmm. and probably won that game. But yeah, they, they present a problem. It's a different kind of football. I just like the, the tradition and the pageantry of it and how hard both teams are playing because it means everything to them. They, they literally can go... One and ten, one and eleven, and if they beat the other t the other service, uh, and Air Force, you know, counts a little, but not quite very much. If they beat the other service, it's it's a successful year. Well, I mean, Navy was three and eight going into it, and you would have thought they yeah. won the national championship. And those two school songs at the end, and they both stand for it. And that's one thing I've always liked about Notre Dame Navy. Notre Dame players will go over to the Navy side and honor the school song and really honor what they're doing, but. Man, at that very end when it was, you know, it was the Army had a very silent beat Navy. When Navy said beat Army, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, oh, it's a great game. My dad is already uh, looking forward to next year. I bet he is. I bet he is. So, yeah, let's get into crystal ball because on the surface, this didn't make much sense. You and I are old enough to remember him playing offensive line for two championship teams when they it was at the very end of the first part of the Canes, quote-unquote. And but he was a big time lineman. That's what he does. 
And I was surprised with Phil Knight at 82 and name, image, and likeness and everything they poured into it that he would, you know, I knew that there would be an attraction there that he would actually do it, and he takes the job. And that opens up Kelvin Banks and Cam Williams for Texas. Yeah, there's some hometown appeal of that, obviously, Mario Cristobal returning home. But I think a big part of this is we're learning that you can have the structure, you can have the funding, you can have incredible facilities, all those things Oregon has. But if you don't have a native recruiting base, I just feel like these coaches feel like they're always fighting uphill. You know, talking about tailwinds and and favorable geography, this is a literal example of that. Mario Cristobal is saying, look, Miami is under-resourced compared to Oregon, there is no aspect of that program in terms of infrastructure that could even hold a candle to Oregon. They, they can't even hold a candle in terms of fan support, enthusiasm. Oregon has a real football culture. For those who don't know, yeah. it's, it's a great environment there. They're really into sports. They're really into football. But he says, in his mind, if I can get Miami activated and I can get those players who live in South Florida and then start to get the national draw and appeal, which really was the height of the Miami Hurricanes, right? It was the ability to recruit nationally on top of the Florida athlete. If I can get that rolling, I'm going to win a national title. Yeah, you're right. No, I mean, if people think about, so first off, they're, the linemen, they usually would go, hell, they hit Chicago a lot in, in kind of that Irish Catholic uh, neighborhood. And, also got Steve Walsh out of, I believe, mini, uh, yeah, Minnesota. So they they actually, they obviously locked down South Florida, but then they also were able to, with their, with their uh, cachet, be able to hit other spots. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I also think that Cristobal is looking at, you're always looking at, okay, if we don't have resources in our area and we always have to have to, have to go somewhere else, what's going on in that neighborhood? And Lincoln Riley going to USC, that had to be assigned to Mario Cristobal. This is not going to be as easy to pick these guys when there was a vacuum because USC, UCLA, no one was winning there. That's a great point. And I think that had a little bit of a tipping effect. The other thing to consider is the ultimate resource. It's people. Yeah. It's human beings. And Oregon can have all the funding, all the incredible facilities. If you've never seen their weight room, it's like freaking unbelievable. None of that matters if you can't, if you don't think you can feed the truly elite players into that system. And we've seen calculations from two coaches and maybe we're oversimplifying it, but Mario Cristobal leaves a better resource program in Oregon, just as Lincoln Riley left a better resource program at Oklahoma for a place that they think is a sleeping giant. Yeah. And also both spots, landing spots are going to be easy to get into the playoff. We're talking about the Pac-12 and the ACC, the two weakest conferences of the Power Five. Yep, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the Big 12 is going <laughs> to have an argument in that. Um, but not right now. Not right now. I mean, the Big 12 has a lot of um, below average to above average to good teams and only one really, truly terrible team uh, that Texas lost to. That's sad. Uh, but... We're going to see, because one of the things, and this might segue into, do we want to hit Quinn Ewers, or do we want to talk about these offensive line guys we got from Oregon? Let's go line first. Okay. So, Kelvin Banks was the guy. If you look at the rankings, he's a top five recruit in the state of Texas. If he is even nominally developed and 
hot at the next level, I think he's the best recruit in that class. Kelvin Banks, ha- he's got everything you're looking for, and I'm really excited about him. I mean, obviously at tackle, but he's got good feet. He's got uh, – he plays with, at least what I looked at, pretty good pad level for a guy his size. I- I'm excited about Kelvin Banks. Cam Williams is more – sorry, he's more one of those guys where I'm kind of thinking about as a project and getting him in shape. Yeah, so Cam Williams' ultimate project – the fact that Mario Cristobal gave him a scholarship and, and was high on him is actually a feather in his cap because Cristobal is seeing one of these classic Miami players, which in their heyday, for those of you who are a little younger, Miami was really good at taking overweight guys and turning them into superstars yep. because they saw natural athleticism and they thought, hey, we can fix the weight. We can fix the motivation. This guy has special ability that's being covered up by 40, 50 pounds of fat. And we can get rid of that. And there's not a lot of schools that have been able to do that consistently. Certainly not the University of Texas, but at Miami, you're talking about players, like all time players at the college level, like Russell Maryland, fat kid, fat body, but he had amazing feet and they saw it. They got him to drop 40 pounds and he became a different guy. Cortez Kennedy. Oh, Cortez is a huge example. Yeah, no pun intended. Big fatty. Couldn't play more than two plays. They said that when he got to Miami, he couldn't finish the warm-ups. The warm-ups for their workouts. He was exhausted and had to go lay down. Pool of sweat. But eventually, they got the fat off of him. He was a dominator at Miami and, of course, was a a perennial all-pro in the NFL. So, Cristobal sees that kind of ability and natural athleticism in Cam Williams. You can't... You can't create natural size. You can add weight to a player. You can make them stronger, but you can't take and create a frame. And Cam Williams is every bit of 6'5", 6'6", 300 and he's weighed upwards of 390. They say he's down to 360. Um, I think he's one of these guys like Leonard Davis, uh, who just is huge and, and massively built. And he's not going to weigh 330. He, but you can get him to a fit 340, 350, and that's the goal with Cam Williams. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, he's going to be 400 pounds, and he's going to wash out of the program. Yeah, I mean, the 391, apparently, that he weighed into when he was going to Duncanville this last year is clearly you got to get that in shape. I'm not sure you can always fix motivation, but Miami is a good example of that, of taking guys and creating that motivation, and they go from there. If anything, you can play him at guard and cover people up. I mean, you also have to remember where we're coming from, and nothing's going to be perfect. So I like I like the gamble there. And also, as you've talked about, Kyle Flood's a size king. He is a size king. And if you look at this class and the class that I think Texas will ultimately sign, which includes some guys that were already in the fold, of course, now Calvin Banks, Cam Williams, I think Devin Campbell is going to come to Texas. We'll see. You guys can listen to this, and we'll see what happens on Wednesday. I think Malik Agbo is coming to Texas. All these guys are huge, Kevin, and not just heavy, massive, tall, wingspan, big, broad shoulders, big, huge asses. These are guys that can anchor and they're not just going to get moved out. And they can, you know, if they've got a, a, a little bit of an energy and hustle to them, they can lean on you in the run game and eventually just wear you out and destroy you. And so that's the hope. Uh you know, Cam Williams does have a natural level of athleticism. 
below that extra 40 pounds. And he can dunk a basketball. He moves pretty well for his size. And they see something there. Calvin Banks is about as close as a finished product as you'll see as a se- in a senior in high school as an offensive lineman. One caveat I will offer, if you go and look at the rankings of offensive linemen, if you even look at NFL offensive linemen, you'll notice more than any other position, a bunch of dudes that were two and three stars. Now, some of them were Jonathan Ogden, who were blessed from the beginning and you knew what they were always going to be and it just was a matter of it happening. But most NFL guys who are starters in the NFL, a lot of them were built and a lot of them were taught and a lot of them were created. And that's where offensive line coaching comes in and strength and conditioning comes in. And that's where Texas is going to have to prove itself because they are going to feed in that raw material on signing day on Wednesday. Well, this still gets down to the the main issue we've had with the Texas program really for a long time, but certainly the last 10 years. And that is developing the talent you bring in. And so you're going to have to develop it. I'm confident in Kyle Flood. I want to ask you, when I look at the guys that are going to be returning, and ideally all these guys redshirt or just play a little, Kelvin Banks is a good chance he's going to have to start. That's a harsh reality. I would love to redshirt every single offensive line guy just as a matter of course. Even if a guy is a Jonathan Ogden, it's amazing to be able to put a redshirt on that player. And Texas has done that with some very good offensive linemen. But you know what? Really good offensive linemen who have also met need have started early for Texas. And, you know, I think, you know, a great example, that's Justin Blaylock, right? He came in and I think played quite early in his career. I think you're probably going to see Kelvin Banks if he's what we think he is. I think there's a good chance that we're going to be starting a true freshman tackle. I think you're going to have to. I mean, that's the other thing. So is that it, it, this is a really good class to bring in, especially if you if you add in Campbell. Um, I really like Connor Robertson, who's at Westlake, and who's going to be an interior guy. But I've watched him a bunch the last couple of years, and he's got the right right mentality. I mean, he's got some stuttered in him. And then I really hope they go after T.J. Shanahan, the junior there. But I like this class coming in. The problem is is that kind of the situation you're in. There are no luxuries for Texas right now. No luxuries, but you know what? If you're going to tell me that we're going to land elite offensive line and I'll defensive line on both sides of the ball, that's a great place to start. Yep, I'll take it. Right. So the devel- hey. development still has to be there, but I mean, considering where we're at, and I'm not sure every Texas fan has totally wrapped their head around where we really are, you'll take it, and it's great news. It doesn't mean anything's fixed, but it's good news. It's great news. And before we talk about the potentially amazing news of Mr. Quinn Ewers returning to Texas, returning to his dream school as a kid, I want to talk about putting some tailwinds at your back in the financial world. And that specifically has to do with your mortgage. If you're out looking for a home right now, the guy you need to call is Gabe Winslow. He's going to help you out. He's going to shoot you straight. And he's going to get a phenomenal rate by making all the various lenders work and bid against each other as a broker He's going to go out and, and basically find out what 100 different financial brokers or financial lenders, I should say, are going to do for you. And then he's going to fight them against each other and get the best possible deal and then bring it to you. So Gabe is awesome at what he does. Reach him at 832-557-1095. Also, if you're looking at the uh, old tax situation and 
you realize that, man, if I sell my house to, to tap into some of this equity, I'm going to be taxed on it. And then I got to go buy a house. So if you're not moving localities, uh, cities or to a cheaper place, you're kind of just, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Well, don't do that. Refi. That is an amazing way to tap into the equity of your home. Even if you're getting the same rate that you had, say, two, three years ago, what it enables you to do is tap into all that equity and take out fifty, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars and put that money to work. And guess what? It's tax free. Anytime you have a debt obligation, it's not taxable. So you're basically able to take out, you know, $200,000 of cash on that appreciated home that you own in Houston, Austin, or Texas, or Austin, uh, Dallas, Texas, and you can actually take that money out and put it to work. So give Gabe a call. He'll tell you how to do it. And he's great at just walking you through your options and giving you solutions. 832-557-1095. That's mortgagesbygabe.com. And if you actually need a realtor, if you are indeed moving, I want you to contact our Ace Realtor, that's Laura Baker, Andy Allen team of Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. All right. So before we get to Quinn Ewers, give me your give me your thoughts on banks. What do you see there that, that could translate to starting as a freshman? He has great feet. He's got a great frame. Uh, he's huge. He has punch. He plays with aggression. He's got a lot of want to. One of the things that I look for in an offensive lineman on film, especially at the high school level, is when the play is sort of already decided, but the whistle hasn't blown, are you looking for work? Mm -hmm. Are you looking to go blow someone up on the pile? Hey, when you fire out on that guy and you beat him, you get, you get him off his spot, the running back's already passed you, you've done your job. Hey, it doesn't really matter what you do then in terms of that play. Do you pull up? Or do you keep driving your feet and bury that guy eight yards down the field in a pile? That's what Kelvin Banks does play after play after play. He's a bully. And you need that mentality on the offensive line because a lot of those guys by disposition, a lot of your offensive linemen on your team are some of your nicer guys, smart. some of your more smart guys, level-headed guys, but they don't always have that mean streak or that bully streak. And you mentioned Casey Stuttered. Well, you know what's even better than Casey Stuttered? Justin Blaylock. <laughs> because Casey Stuttered is got a mean streak, but uh, above average level of ability, right? Obviously, at the college level, very effective. NFL level, more of a journeyman. You know what's great about a Justin Blaylock? Elite level athletic ability and a mean streak. And that's what Texas is looking for. We'll take Casey Stuttered, no doubt. But, hell, we want some Justin Blaylocks, too. Totally agree. It's one thing I liked about Cam Williams, too, actually. Looking at some film, he was playing some team that was way undersized. God bless him. And But he was still picking guys off and going, you know, looking to punish some undersized guys. In fact, where the undersized guys started getting really upset in this montage, this clip I'm watching, and I thought, no, that's what I want. I didn't want him to – pancake his guy and say you know what this is unfair i'm too big yeah cam cam ain't lazy he's got some bite in his personality he's got some feet under that three whatever it is too he's got feet and you can't it's it's very difficult to teach feet and it's one of the things that's so perplexing about offensive line because sometimes you can have these dominators at the high school level who peak early but you realize when they get to the next level whether college or nfl 
They just don't have the feet. They don't have the balance. And that gets exposed because suddenly they're going against defensive linemen who are freaks. Let's be honest. The, the, the average edge rusher at the high NFL or college level, that guy's a physical freak. He's 6'5", long wingspan, 260, moves like a cheetah, you know, probably a great basketball player, great balance, great speed, great drive. You know, this guy can run a 4'6", 4740. This guy's a freak. Yeah. And yeah. you need a freak to be able to negate that guy. And if you don't have your feet, your bench press, your deadlift, your squat, how much you can snatch clean, all that's irrelevant because he's just going to run around you. From what you've seen from Devin Campbell, if Campbell comes here, does he start? I don't know about that. You know, it's harder to start the closer you are to the ball, right? right? And I think he's going to be an interior defense, uh, offensive lineman, I should say. Now, he may see playing time. And I think if he did, it would be at guard. But you just have to see, you know, look, Texas does not want to be in the position of starting multiple offensive linemen who are freshmen, true freshmen at that. But anything you can do just to build out the roster, I'm not looking at these offensive linemen or even the defensive linemen as the 2022 solve. I'm looking to them as the guys who are going to create a trajectory starting in 2023 and beyond. It's also why I think it'd be so important if they can, and we talked about this before these guys had made this turn that because it was needed just for next year, but even with these guys in the fold, if you can get a couple of guys that can come in and and play for a year or two, junior or senior offensive linemen to fill that void, continue to try and get better and to get to a bowl game, but be able to redshirt these guys – where they play three or four games, that would be huge. So this doesn't take away the need to really go get a Calvin Anderson or whatever in the transfer portal. That is exactly what I was thinking. We're on the same page, which is I want to use the transfer portal to solve 2022. I don't want to use a bunch of freshman recruits. Right. No, I mean, because because at that point, who knows what it's going to do to their development. So ideally these guys come in and get a little bit of time but don't start but that's going to be considering what we know this offensive line is and what's coming back that's going to be completely determined on what they do in the transfer portal yep i think that's exactly right is it time to talk about the mighty quinn uh the mullet what do you got hey i i got uh texted a hilarious thing from our friend pastor pete and uh, Pastor Pete is one of our avid listeners from the very beginning. Great guy. Uh, and I believe he actually did a mortgage with Gabe. Nice. So uh, he, he loved that experience. Um, Pastor Pete texted me that he read on a Texas Tech board. Credit to them on this one. The guy said, we don't get yours, but I think we dodged a mullet. <laughs> That's good. Uh, not bad, right? Not well, considering. I mean, you're not on Twitter. Uh, not considering some of the quote unquote adults who reply to some of this stuff. Like oh, it's amazing God. how. I mean, I, their happiness is is really tied to these kids. It, it's sad. It's really sad. I, I. It's amazing to me to see people who are clearly grown men and women 
who have jobs and families and they're interacting with these guys on Twitter and talking shit to them. And it's just like, what are you doing? Right. Especially with stuff that, that I, that I will look up to if you're real and pure with that. So if you're a Christian, if you're a family guy, if you've got three daughters and two sons, man, props to you. Right. But when that's on your byline and then then you're throwing some of the stuff out there. Yeah. Forgive me if I don't take those other the, the, the your credentials that seriously. Well, go back to high school and think about how you and I felt as juniors or seniors in high school when guys who were 19 would come back to a high school party. Oh, you'd be like, what a freaking loser. Shoot me in the face if I ever do that you when know, I'm in college. You right? know, it's funny. You're right, because in terms of age wise, we looked at them like they were 42. Oh, they might as well have been 56 years old with a mortgage, <laughs> d- divorce, alimony payments, and three kids. <laughs> and the guy's a sophomore at Texas State, right? <laughs> right? Exactly. And he's like, look, I'm just trying to meet some younger girls or women here. Trying to get his Wooderson on. Oh, man. I do know that movie. Good job. Kevin, I'm going to raise your tally that you've now seen 14 movies in your life. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but I remember even at the time, and I think when I saw that, I was in late high school, early college, and thinking, like, I know that guy. And then also, once you get to college, and, I mean, do you remember the last time that you went to Cain and Abel's? Oh, God. College is the answer. Okay, it should be for me. But I, w- I was probably 24 or 25, so it's not that far off. But I'm sitting there on the patio, and I thought, I have to get out of here. I mean, I, I, felt, I felt, like, felt like someone who needs to be on some – I don't know, some type of, not pedophile list, but some type of list. Yeah, there's something off with it. And uh, it's the guys that even when you were in college and Kevin and I were both in frats and you'd have guys that would come back and they're in their late 20s. And and it wasn't like, there's nothing wrong with the old alum who comes by and he's like 45 years old and he's got a couple of his buddies and they just want to like, look at the house and laugh at some of the graffiti down in the basement. Right. Right. These are guys in their late or mid twenties coming back to a party, a Friday night party. It's, it's, Friday and, night and it's not alumni week weekend either. They're coming to burgers and beer. Right. They're coming to, uh, to foam. <laughs> yeah. They're coming to a paint your date party with the Kyos. Um, Unacceptable. Yeah, it is. Don't do that. If you're doing it. Uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and get to it because this guy is, I guess, coming home in a way. Quinn, yours, just it's been fun to follow all this. I never gave up on it. I don't think you did either, and mainly because people like you and people that I know that are really connected said, don't give up on this. That, And a lot of it, too, had to do with the quarterback room at Ohio State, that he wanted to get that NIL money. I get it. And the longer he was sitting four string this season – and the longer that he had two or three snaps, which is, I think, what it was, I kept on thinking, man, you really got to make a push for this guy. No doubt about that. And to his credit, he did the opposite of what we were just describing, right? Quinn's too young going to college. He, he's not the college <laughs> guy coming back to the high school party. He's a high school kid trying to crash the college party. Yeah, no, no, he's he's the the, the special kid who's like, well, he could have graduated his freshman year in, in high school. Obviously, Quinn couldn't have done that, but you're right. Yeah, he's the young guy who's coming. Well, so here's the thing about Quinn. There's a lot of ways you can spin this, and 
this it the whole saga and legacy of this is going to is gonna, is revealing of NIL and this brave new world that we're entering into and he sort of became an early poster boy for it right skipping his senior season at South Lake Carroll going to Ohio State inking a big NIL deal he's obviously going to get an NIL deal at Texas more deals plural bottom line is this is just how things are now so I can't address the mental state. I can't address his readiness for the game. You know, there's people that are questioning, does this, is he less concerned about the actual game and more concerned about all the off the field stuff? I actually don't know. And I don't think anyone else knows. What I do know is when I went back and looked at his junior year of film at South Lake Carroll, he's a special quarterback. He really is. I mean, the thing that we talked about and we observed this year in the Big 12 is that we had this resurgence of defense, right, Kevin? Yeah. Well, why did we have a resurgence of defense? Well, because it was cyclical and there weren't really good quarterbacks in the Big 12. Yes! <laughs> Thank you! Well, we hit, the, we nailed that preseason, offseason, and during the season, and it came true. Yeah, and by the way, Oklahoma State and Baylor both have quality defenses. They ain't world-beating. And a lot of that is about the absence or dearth of good, viable Big 12 quarterbacks. And it's, it's about as low as I've ever seen it in the league. And that allows you to cheat on defense. Because when you have quarterbacks that can't make all the throws, you can basically concede some difficult throws on defense and gang up on those easy throws. Now, that's the opposite of some of the strategy we saw from Pete Kwiatkowski, which is to allow a lot of the easy throws and uh, prevent the difficult throws that a lot of Big 12 quarterbacks can't make. Uh, Didn't always work out for old Pete this year, as we saw. But that really is a cheat code. Well, when you've got a talented quarterback and a guy like Quinn Ewers, that's more than just arm strength. It's anticipation. It's touch. It's accuracy. It's the ability to sort of understand where that window is going to be and throw the ball before it appears. And Quinn Ewers does that time and again at the high school level. And it's special. It really can't be taught. And either you kind of have it or you don't. And Quinn's got it. Yeah. Did you ever cheat in the game Battleship? Uh, Like you're talking about like I-9, J-3. Yeah. And Four. you find some way, like, you know that they're not protecting some some ground or they're protecting too much of the ground. And that's what the Big 12 has been this year, getting back to your point. Now, Pete Kwiatkowski had to cover all the ground because he didn't have competent guys back there and didn't do a good job of of placing them either. So I get all that. But, yeah, I mean, yours is one of those different guys that he can hit every quadrant of the field. And so, essentially, you should have to defend that some of the throws he made, look, I mean, I'll even, you know, I watched him multiple times his junior year, a little bit his sophomore year. I've gone back and looked at film, but watched whole games, entire games. And even the one where they lost to Westlake, I mean, he had some special throws. And they were touch included to where he didn't even have his whole lower half set up. And it's a touch throw, and he's got that. And if you could look at some of his 11-on-11 stuff, some of the sidearm, almost submarine shortstop throws that he's making – on the money, and with velocity, he's got a special arm. So all the other stuff that does count and does really make a quarterback, I don't know about, but I'm glad you used the word because a lot of the Dan Marinos of the world or early on as they're coming up, Jimmy Clausen, right, 
uh, Matt Barkley, guys like that, the next big thing, you kind of wonder about anticipation. If you look at his actual game film when they're, act- when they're really playing someone who's good, he anticipates well, man, really well. Did you accidentally include Dan Marino with Jimmy Clausen? Well, no, I started with the very top of a big arm guy. Gotcha. And then I was just kind of, go- and then, then I went down the list. I skipped a lot of levels, but you've got a mature enough mind to be able to deal with that. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I, I just think what's intriguing about the guy is the arm angles. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. And People want to bring up Aaron Rodgers, obviously, because he's sort of the master of making any sort of throw in any sort of way. Let's stay short of that. But it does remind me of what made Matt Stafford so special in high school Mm. and why he was such a big deal at Highland Park. Really good. I like that comp. It wasn't just the strength of his arm. You know, Matt was actually a big husky kid, right? Different sort of build than yours. But what he had was this gun of an arm probably stronger than Quinn Ewers at the same age but he could just deliver the ball in weird different ways but still do so very accurately with velocity and he could do it giving ground he could do it while rolling to his left right throwing with his right and it's just this stuff that most quarterbacks can't do and and the defenses scheme around it and they'll just basically concede certain throws saying hey if you can drop back and, and retreat and, and run to your left and then throw across the field deep and not hanging it up, um, you're going to score a touchdown on us. We concede that, but we don't think you can do that. And then when a guy like that does it, then suddenly the defense is like, oh, shit. All right, let's just all play. Let's just play cover two. Let's just put our safeties deep. And then suddenly you get predictable and the, the quarterback and the running game gets to carve you up in very predictable ways. And that particular piece of the arm, you know, an offense can open up or protect an arm. People forget that an arm can open up an offense. And yeah. that's where Steve Sarkeesian has to be thinking, holy shit, I've got the guy who can make this offense wide open. And by the way, Mac Jones, as, as awesome as he was at Alabama and as good as he's been as a rookie at New England, he can't make every throw. He can make most of the throws, but a guy like Quinn Ewers can open up your offense in ways that it's just got to be so exciting for Steve Sarkeesian to think about. Agreed. Now, and and the reason that you could do that with Mac Jones is because the other 10 guys starting next to him were 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10, right? And and so they were so good. He was a left-to-right reader that, you're right, he probably couldn't make all of them, but Texas is in a situation where they're not going to be 9 out of 10 next year or even the year after. And so you're going to need a difference maker, which is why I think it's so important. I like the Stafford comp because he's got a really special arm. We'll see about all the other things that go into it because you got to, you really got to put your mind into everything. And hopefully Sark and Ewers are going to be on that same path where Ewers understands he's going to have to put a lot of work in. He's going to have to put a lot of work in. He's going to have to build up his body. He's going to build up his mind. He's going to have to show leadership and he's going to have to show some alpha, right? And show that he's the guy that should be running stuff. And and if he gets beat out, by the way, you know, it's probably good news. Great. It means it means Hudson Card stuck around and got better. It means, you know, Casey Thompson somehow went to the next level. I mean, who knows? Malik but, Murphy. 
Malik Murphy, exactly. Um, you know, obviously he's a talk about a guy that's sort of a comp in a way as a quarterback to Cameron Williams as an offensive lineman. Yeah, he's a project. Malik Murphy has these raw attributes, but you don't see the polish. And you don't see some of the subtleties that make a great quarterback. The thought is, can he learn those things? And and a lot of times people like to think a high school quarterback or even a college quarterback is a finished product. We've seen enough guys in the NFL bloom late and add some subtleties. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes a Steve Young, that happens. Yeah. And when they hit and those physical abilities meet the subtleties, you get an all-time great quarterback. I'm excited about it, man. It's so needed and also just kind of the rejuvenation of enthusiasm for Texas fans to finish off this class. But, yeah, I mean, as we kind of started it all off with, Gennada had better circumstances considering what's going on in 2021 for a Texas team that really was just not going to have any momentum. Um, In most years in college football, when you have a six-game losing streak and you are nationally relevant for the wrong reasons, you don't flip a class like this. No. And, you know, I want to talk about... Unless unless you're just loading up the bags, which they kind of did, but it's above board. Yeah, it's it's sanctioned bag dropping, which which is pissing off all the unsanctioned bag droppers, as you can see when you read their pay sites on Twitter, right? Yeah, oh, no. I mean, it it has been funny because you can really call out people that are just 100% hypocrites on it when they were all for it, but it's not for them now, so they're against it. No doubt. Um, hey, real quick, Quinn Ewers sort of painted also as a, a Pied Piper, uh, you know, a guy who could bring other people to want to play with him. I think that's a thing. I don't know if it's a thing for this class, maybe so much as the next class, knowing that Texas has the potential for having an elite quarterback with the possibility of being him being followed by an Arch Manning. That's a good point, because all this happened within a week of the early signing period. So there's only so many people you can flip. I know Texas fans want to see Evan Stewart flip. I would love to see that. But, yeah, I think it's a good point that it could be more momentum for next year. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. Is there anything else with regards to this that we need to hit other than – what, what do we think? Do you have a guess of how Texas is not specific guys necessarily, but do you think, do you know how Texas will sort of rank after this signing day on Wednesday? Well, I mean, I think it's going to be top 10 for sure. And it seems like they're starting to creep in on that top five. So with the coaching carousel, the way it is, like, I, I think we're going to see more flips and more changes probably the last week as we've got two days left than we've seen in a long time, if not ever. So they're they're right where they want to be. The main thing is there's some big infusion of of good talent and really good talent coming in. So that will flip the narrative considering that they haven't played a game or have not won a game to flip that narrative. Well, so top 10, I think, is assured. I and mean, that, that's happening. Um, I think it's going to be a top five class when it's all, all the smoke clears. And what's crazy is two weeks ago, we were bemoaning sort of, is Texas going to sign 25 guys? Like, are there even 25 guys we want to sign? Like, who are all these backup, backups to backups that we're now recruiting? And all of a sudden, in, in about a, ten, you know, a one-week period, everyone's now fretting, like, oh, no, we're going to have to leave this four-star guy out in, out in the cold because we're, we're running out of scholarships as we, as we finish. 
It's a good problem to have. Yeah, I mean, no, this is this is flipped quicker than than I can remember. I remember Mac flipping a couple classes, including that first one, but nothing like this. And also, Mac in that first year built a lot of good momentum. So you start out one and two, and he finishes nine and three with a Heisman winner. There, there were you could understand why they were kind of moving in that direction. There was nothing to propel them to this except for name, image, and likeness, the coaching carousel, kind of everything that's going on. And I still do think there's definitely a thought with these younger, with these players that, you know what, there was some stuff and we can show you film that was open and they don't have good enough players to actually execute it. Yeah, that's that's the sell you've got to make as a coach without shitting on your current players, right? Yep, it's a fine line. And- it's a fine line, and I think what you do is you just sort of show the film. <laughs> of course, you're picking the clips you want them to see, and you just say, yeah, I think we had an opportunity here. We think that's a play you can make. Yep. And you let the player fill in the blanks. I think that's a way to go, man. Uh, hey, let me tell you about another place to go and a way to go, and that would be David McClellan, fiduciary financial advisories from Forum Financial, Really, really sharp guy. Paul and I have partnered with him for a reason, and he's helped out a lot of listeners already, so he can help you out. He can do it for free. He's offering free consultations. If you mention that you're part of this podcast or you're a listener, you're part of the family, he can help you understand your financial freedom number. He specializes in financial life coaching. Also, is really, really good at retirement planning. So he's got He's seen pretty much every side of the business, has done a great job as a fiduciary financial advisor, meaning legally he's obligated to work in your best interest, and he's going to help you build your wealth, also achieve financial freedom faster. He's a multinational champion swimmer here at Texas. He's a good guy. He's sharp. He's a hard worker. He's really what you're looking for. Give him a call. It's free. Take that free consultation, 312-933-8823, 312-933-8823, or just email him, dmcclellan at forumthinfin.com. Well, one thing we, we do want to ask you is if you are enjoying this podcast and you want to support us, one easy way to do that beyond supporting our magnificent sponsors, which is really about supporting yourself with awesome uh, consultants in the various realms of finance that we have our uh, supporters. Wow, I, that was really well said, wasn't it, Kevin? Uh, on your part? <laughs> Yeah, I'm dying here. I'm <laughs> I know. I, I know. Hey, had... go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. <laughs> you're killing it. Keep going. I I had multiple things occur at the same time as I'm trying to talk. I had my phone start ringing. I'm trying to silence it. My freaking doorbell just rang, and uh, I'm trying to get through this. But bottom line, hey, if you guys want to support us, go to iTunes, rate subscribe and review. It means a lot to us. A bunch of you guys went and did that when I asked you to. I I don't always remember to do it. Please go do it. We want to get a bunch of uh, ratings on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word. It helps us keep doing the podcast for you for free. It does. And uh, we'll keep helping you out with some uh, fun, mildly entertaining conversation from time to time. I tweeted that out too. I finally tweeted out and said, hey, please uh, subscribe, rate, and review. So we'll have to figure out exactly which one of us hit that needle. But I think probably both of us did. And I'm just so thankful for all the people that are listening. We've had we've had a really good time doing it. And, Paul, I mean, look, go get your doorbell, but good chance we do one later this week. Yeah, let's do one after this class, the December 15th signing, and let's see how it all came out when the smoke cleared. And then we can 
make some wildly over-optimistic projections based on a bunch of 18-year-olds. I think they're going to win it all next year. Go get the yeah, door. Go get the title. All but assured. You go, heard it here. Go get the doorbell, brother. All right.